Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. OutKick 360 is live in Los Angeles at Super Bowl 56 Radio Row with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us, the entire cast of OutKick will be with us throughout today's show. Clay Travis will join us, Armando Salguero, Kayla Canerum, and much more. Gentlemen, they said we would not make it. We would not make it. They said. And here we are. They doubt. They were wrong. You know, I've been told my whole life I would never make it to Southern California. That's why this is my first trip. Uh, to L.A. It's so I'm time. very excited uh, to be here. This it's has been a lot of fun so far. About already. time you made it to L.A. Yes. And you're bossing around Lyft drivers. Yeah. It's a strong start by you. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been eventful so far. It's, it's, we're off to a, a very fast start uh, with this trip. Big thanks to, to Fox, to everyone who sent us out here to do this. Um, it takes someone saying yes to trips like this, to give you coverage like this. So a big thanks to everyone. Uh, Kelly Dixon, Dylan Taylor, Lauren O'Connor, who's here with us, doing a lot of great work to make sure we're set up and ready to go on Radio Row. And, uh, boys, it's a different feeling around Radio Row this, this time around for us. We are very well spaced out. I mean, we are in a... And we're here all week. We are in a uh, <laughs> convention center room that is the size of a, a typical Radio Row, but I'd say there is, what, maybe two-thirds the tables many of which are not yet occupied, but that's typical on a Monday. But, but the elbow room, uh, nobody's going to be falling on me like someone did in a New York tightly packed ballroom, which would not happen in the age of, of COVID. Uh, we've got a very spacious, look at that elbow room. Look at that. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's falling on me. I mean, here. and we've got, if you could see our setup with our production team in front of us also, we have so much space, 50% capacity on Radio Row this go-around uh, in Los Angeles. Um, different feeling, you're right, Hutton, because we're here on a Monday, normally arriving on a, a Monday night or a Tuesday night to get set for Radio Row with our old show. Excited to be here all week. Uh, it's really a nice setup at the L.A. Convention Center. We're right next to what is now called the Crypto.com Arena, formerly known as the Staples Center for most people in L.A. Live, right in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, it's it's not bad. So things could be worse. It's the new uh, the, your, your, the new naming rights came into effect this year or th- just this past year, I believe, for Crypto.com. And whenever that happened, I thought to myself, I can't think of a better ad placement for any arena than the Staples Center, right? With all I don't the know the name of of. 75, 80% of the buildings in America yeah, anymore. Staples Center, you knew. Yes, and it was there for like 15 years, um, give or take. And it, here's Crypto.com, and I'm thinking, what did they pay to be on You know, the, the Lakers, Clippers, Kings? Every big event that comes through here is here at Staples Center. So it's also it's one of those naming rights deals that sparks a conversation. You know, We were riding around in a, in a, a ride share yesterday, 
and we passed the arena, and it sparked a conversation about cryptocurrency uh, with us. It's almost like a conversation starter yep. with the naming rights because, quite frankly, we don't fully understand it. <laughs> and I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to admit it. I don't think many people fully understand it. People are confused. The Matt Damon commercial, commercial. about Very being confused. bold and going for it and everything else. So. Uh, they're really starting a national conversation. It with could be rights. being bold, or it could be being broke. Th- yes, and could be that being name dumb. Might not be on there in two years, and it could fall into one of these arenas that changes name every couple of years, and we call it the place where the Lakers play. Yes, hit us up and on Twitter at Outkick360, and uh, you can certainly uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out to Fox and Outkick.com for having us here all week long. We have a great guest lined up throughout the week. Um, most of those traveling in for the game will get here around Wednesday, Thursday, um, but we'll be chatting with Clay Travis here in a matter of about 10 minutes. Um, he's over in uh, the upper the upper tier, the upper crust of L.A. Yeah, we're in downtown L.A. Uh, Clay is staying uh, in a mansion in the Hollywood Hills, <laughs> I-, I believe. No, he's staying in Century City uh, right next to the Fox lot where he's got some work to do this week. So, uh, he'll be joining us throughout the week, which will be fun. And we can ask Clay if uh, he's allowed in public uh, in Los Angeles yeah. uh, with his with his uh, stance on masks. I doubt he wanted and, to uh, And vaccination. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to get a daily update of where Clay got kicked out in Los Angeles. Let's get a running tally of the businesses that would not allow Clay well, in. Well, uh, we need one place to let him in simply because we have uh, a very nice dinner we're attending tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. We drove by um, <laughs> where he is yesterday and got a fascinating, fascinating uh, description of it from a Lyft driver. We're doing a lot of Lyft because Chad's a Lyft guy. Uh, and we'll share that Lyft ride with you later. It's a tr- terrific ride. We're doing a lot of Lyft because I'm a Lyft guy and Paul never gets the Lyft or Uber. <laughs> so that's why we're in Lyft I'm a lot. I'm slow to draw the phone. You're, the- you're not slow to be on the phone. You're just slow to contribute with the phone. You're, you're normally on the phone. You're just not ordering the Lyft. Correct. Two hires across the NFL in the last 24 hours. Mike McDaniel is the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And he's got a chance. And the other one has no chance. Lovey Smith is, has been named the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Consider this. He was the associate head coach last year for David Culley and the defensive coordinator. And what they've done, if you believe they had a plan, I'm not sold on no. the fact they did. No plan. If you believe the Texans had a plan, they have now been turned down to the point where they fired David Culley after one year and replaced him with the associate head coach. A month after doing so, which Who's makes right? no logical sense other than the fact you fall back to the guy you know. A two-time NFL head coach who failed horribly at the collegiate level is the most recent thing on his resume as a head coach. It's an awful hire. If, if you're going to wind up there, how is it better than David Culley? I, I, I just don't really get it at all. His name emerges yesterday. I mean, we hadn't heard his name at all. He's on their staff. We hadn't heard his name one time until all of a sudden yesterday. It's like, oh, and now Lovey Smith is emerging as a candidate. And they're saying he's been a candidate all along. Well, if he's been a candidate all along, how have we not heard his name as they've had eight or ten candidates? This goes back to, well, we didn't offer anyone. He's our first offer. He's the guy we want. It's the old you know, saga that's been told. Well, look, this ultimately falls back on ownership. Right. I mean, this is an ownership issue when you have this lack of direction with your franchise and a complete lack of a plan. I mean, let's face it. 
you bring in Dave, David Coley, you could say the plan was he's going to be here a year, and then we're going to really have a plan. Why not make the plan last year? Right. I don't, there's, there's no need for a sacrificial lamb. And if you're hiring a guy to be the head coach, give him a chance to be the head coach. Instead, you bring him in. He is the sacrificial, the burnt sacrificial offering at the end of the year. Yep. Poor David Coley, again, making a lot of money to walk away. Not that poor anymore, but a poor situation for the Texans. And by all accounts, a tremendously nice and then, guy. You know, I would almost come to the conclusion that maybe they did this for a reason and had a plan if they went and hired some whippersnapper defensive mind or offensive mind. They had their eye on the whole time. Or one of these New or England did guys. something different or hired a young up-and-coming college coach or whatever. Name the list of candidates they could have hired other than the defensive coordinator on their failed team in Lovey Smith, who is a two-time head coach before the retread cycle of this, it, it makes no sense. And, and if you go and look at Houston media right now, I mean, we are witnessing the dumpster fire burn. I mean, no one gets it. There's no defense of it. Everyone is saying there's no plan. Should have just kept David Coley as the head man if this is what you were going to do. Reevaluate a year from now. It is a terrible situation. And he's fired a year from now. <clears throat> I mean, they're going to be back in this spot a, a year from now. What what kind of huge it, gains are they going to make? Is this a big draw for free agents? Uh, 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 you know, are they going to draft better? Uh, they're they're going to be in position to draft a quarterback in 2023. And is Lovey Smith the guy you're going to want to to be heading that? It's a great point, and and. What, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It makes the job that Bill O'Brien did there that much more impressive. As a coach. Despite how it ended. As a Because coach. of the mess that he was working with with that front office and the ownership group that took over after uh, McNair passed away. I, I agree with you on the coaching front, but he helped create the mess because his GM yeah. power he is what undid him. What, if he had I, just stayed a damn coach I and got along with Rick Smith, the organization might be in fine standing. Yeah, but after you win so many divisions and you have these, I mean, you know how it goes. Coaches have success and they want more power. Yeah, right. We saw know? it in Nashville with uh, with Fisher, uh, Jeff and Fisher. And the discussion and was, why were they not doing more than just winning divisions? Right. Yeah, so they, 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 they started to have out. that quarrel. But, I mean, topped out you know, right now what they did looks a lot better than this dumpster fire in Houston. It's a bad, bad situation. And I said it when the lawsuit happened. I was going to be shocked if at least one African-American head coach wasn't hired by the remaining teams. You had the letter come down from the NFL uh, from Roger Goodell about how – what was the words used, Paul, in it? Basically, it's been a disgrace, yeah. uh, the Rooney rule being applied with only the one – African-American head coach in the league, and now uh, Lovey Smith gets hired. I'm not saying it's the sole reason they did it, but, Paul, you even brought it up before the show that it kind of makes sense when you fire an African-American head coach after one year and look terrible in doing so, and then so you hire an African-American head coach in Lovey Smith. But it's somewhat ironic because what the league is looking for is fresh, new minority blood yeah. in the coaching pipeline, and what they do is uh, the retread thing that everybody has a problem with with the white guys who are getting the jobs ahead of those fresh new minority coaches. So they hire a minority coach, but they hire, if you will, the kind who's uh, – they, they didn't help yeah, not, the co- not progress the cause. They didn't give someone an opportunity, a new opportunity to be a head coach. They hired a tired retread name in Lovey Smith as a coach, and also I'm going to go ahead and throw this prediction out there. 
not going to look good if you do fire him a year from now, like you mentioned. You've got a, a track because record of hiring un, minority coaches. It's an unwinnable situation. And then we fall back on the old adage about these white coaches are given, given more time than black coaches to get it right if he's fired after a year or two after David Coley was fired well, after one year. We just have to chuck them up as an organizational it's failure a, it's a bad regardless situation. of the race yeah, of but, your coach. But this has nothing to do with race because no. they fired David Coley and then immediately the rumors were it was Gerard Mayo or it was Brian Flores. So this has nothing to do with the color of the coach's skin. Well, whatsoever. okay, then let's say it this way. It has to do with a lawsuit because they could have hired Flores. Brian Flores, who would have been a better well, retread coach yeah, they to could hire. Have hired Ger- Gerard Mayo. That's who everyone said they were after. And yeah, I was he like, fell if off. they were going to do that, why would you not make the move with Cully prior to the end of the season when you could talk with Mayo before they were playing in the wild card round? That was my point from the jump. And that tells me that they had no, they had zero plan going into this. And Mayo was, you know, a hot name at a couple, two or three places at the start of this hiring cycle, and didn't didn't gain any traction. So, you but know, people po- judged him not to be ready, or he didn't have great interviews, they, or whatever. They fired Cully, and immediately two minority coaches were at the top of their list through all the media circles. Yep. Without the lawsuit, who would you rather hire? have as your head coach, Flores or Lovey oh, Smith? Flores, absolutely. It would be Flores. Okay, now let me flip it to you this way. With the lawsuit, who would you rather hire as your head coach? I would still say the answer is Brian Flores. Flores. The league probably would uh, intervene there and but, ask you I mean, not to. Well, I mean, <laughs> if that, in a way, I mean, Flores is suing McNair, yes. Cal McNair. Yeah, one thirty-second of the suit is against McNair. I mean, that's a, and the, you know, the Saints were still interviewing him. Um, the, the Texans did as well. So, and I mean, the Saints are the lone job out there now of the nine. Mike McDaniel ends up with the Dolphins job. We'll dive into that a bit further as we move forward on the show. Clay Travis about to join us, followed by Armando Salguero, who's in South Beach. He will travel here to the bright lights of L.A. coming up uh, tomorrow and will join us in person on set Wednesday. Guys, we are excited to add a new partner to our Outkick 360 radio network. Uh, day one today with WBFG 96.5, the sports voice for West Tennessee. Um, great to have a station in Henderson County covering Lexington, Parker's Crossroads, and Jackson. Uh, we sl- say hello to Don and the, the wonderful folks at WBFG. Thrilled to be a part of uh, their great station there for Outkick 360. Yeah, Don Enox is one of the first guys we met with when we went on that little unofficial radio tour back in March of 2021 and immediately showed interest, uh, leaving his affiliation with ESPN Radio to join up with us. We are on there live this afternoon. Uh, Big thanks. Just feeling very thankful right now uh, for Don and his decision to, to move with us and also thankful we get to add to our radio network. Welcome. Welcome. And we will welcome Clay Travis when we return. This is Outkick 360 in Los Angeles at Super Bowl 56. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From California, OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. 
with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. About to be joined by Clay Travis and then Armando Salguero of Outkick.com. We're all here for Super Bowl 56, and we'll be chatting that game with Armando and Clay in just a moment. Mike McDaniel is the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I said last week and two weeks ago, I think this guy would be a great offensive coordinator. I do not see Mike McDaniel as a head coach whenever I watch a press conference or see him interact. But that is the direction the, the, the game is, is, is headed. Analytics, uh, youth and coaching, and with his connections, and he's followed Kyle Shanahan literally everywhere, the Miami Dolphins end up with a branch off of that McVay tree and the Shanahan tree. Interesting to see what kind of staff he puts together. And interesting to see if he, if he changes the way he interacts with the media to what degree he changes it. Because it's interesting. He's an interesting dude for sure. But I don't know if you could have the kind of casual M.O. that he had. And here, to me, guys, lays the, the complication, right? The number one thing you need to do when you become a head coach, I think, is stay the same guy. You need to be the guy that got the job. We've seen some examples in Nashville, and this dates back a while. Greg Williams was a good defensive coordinator with the Titans. Yep. He gets the job. He's a pretty, you know, easygoing guy, a good dude. He goes to Buffalo, and he's honking a bullhorn in the dormitory at at the, yeah. uh, for the Bills. He changed. Jim Schwartz went to Detroit. He wasn't precisely the same guy. He changed, and that was part of why things didn't work out long-term for them. So I think in, in Miami, how much does – he probably needs to change some. You need to change some because you've got new authority, but you also need to be the guy they hired. How does he navigate that, I think, is going to tell his success or failure. I, I don't think it matters at all how he deals with the media. Not just the media, but, you know, that personality. Team. I mean, I, I just see him, and I'm thinking, how is this guy going to stand in front of an auditorium full of oh, I think N- NFL there. players? But th- that's what we don't see, right? We see well, the forward-facing media I- image of him. We don't necessarily well, see De- how he interacts with his players. Debo Samuel swears that his success is through the game plans – and adjustments made by Mike McDaniel. He points him out routinely. He was a, uh, um, a reference for him. Use check, uh, another one, the, the fullback for San Francisco. The run game coordination went through Mike McDaniel. And it's very and good. the run game has absolutely sucked in Miami. So that immediately gets a boost, you know, just based on you know, what he is familiar Tell. with. But, Paul, you're right about the staff, because it's all about the staff and the success that he's going to have now. Yeah, and I, I think that if he gets the right staff, it, it could work. He's clearly a, a brilliant guy. Um, but I, I just really want to see how he interacts with his players and, and how they respond to him. I think, to me, that's the biggest question. I'm not saying he can't do it, but is this a situation where you kind of get maybe some different thinking players even with a different hire like this that really meshes well? I mean, it could be the perfect storm. Because he doesn't strike you. Let's compare and contrast him. Uh, a guy we know well. He's not Mike Vrabel in terms of like. He's the uh, opposite. Yeah, not just in the been there, done that, just in the swagger yes. and the, the way he talks. He's not afraid of anything. Yeah. And he just. Vrabel is, football, Vrabel is football guy. And he's an alpha. And he is not. Yeah. He, does I mean, he not, knows football, but he's not football guy. Yeah, he might be an alpha. But if you're walking by him in the hallway, you don't look at him and go, oh, there's an alpha. Mike Vrabel, you walk by him, you go, there's an alpha. 
Well, but the, the, the difference is he, he will relate to them in a way that I think Kyle Shanahan relates to his players. I can help you succeed. Watch me. I, I, that's what I imagine from him. Well, and, and look, I, I like the guy because, I mean, just look at the, uh, the rushing attack of San Francisco. I mean, you know. The, Not just good, but unique. Yeah, like the, the, the way that they're, you know, pulling players that normally wouldn't be pulling on a play and getting offensive tackles moving a lot more on plays. You know, going with these heavy sets where it looks like one thing and it's a, it's a big misdirection. Running Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, out of the backfield. I mean, he is creative in a way that's difficult to be creative in the game of football today because everything's been done. And I'm not saying what he's doing is unprecedented, but it is different. He is tweaking certain principles in the run game that we haven't seen uh, in a long time. And I think that, that innovation really gives him a jump start to, to be a good NFL how, head coach. How much, how soon can he do with the people he has is a question, too. Like, does he think, I can, I can go do this with anybody? You know, Miami's roster's not, not terrible, but it's not great. Or does he need to acquire some people that let him do some of these things that San Francisco was doing? Well, consider this, too. I think a big winner in all of this, uh, surprisingly enough, is the Dallas Cowboys because they keep both, both. coordinators throughout this search. Um, no one interviewed more than Dan Quinn. I don't, at least, I mean, it was four or five interviews he took. He ends up going back to Dallas. Um, sounded like he wanted the Vikings job, right? And that the Was it the Vikings job? I'm not sure. Or the, no, Denver. Denver. Yeah, and, yeah, Denver. Uh, and then uh, Kellen Moore is the other one who is, stays on as play caller. He was being interviewed in Miami. This makes me think that Jerry Jones just has a plethora of choices for head coach next year. If he can't get Sean Payton, he loves Moore and he loves Quinn. So which one of those three is his head coach next year after Mike McCarthy fails again? It's still crazy to me that I feel like Denver was the top pick for every head coaching candidate out there, Dan Quinn included, uh, even with not knowing ultimately who, who the ownership group is going to be when they eventually sell the team. But I think that's a, a statement about that organization uh, and, and about maybe their, especially their defensive their roster also and their history. Um, yeah, it's, it is crazy when you think about the Cowboys retaining those guys who interviewed. Um, and I don't know, Paul, I, I'm not as out on Mike McCarthy as you are uh, in Dallas. But it does feel like not winning a playoff game next year it's not just not getting the playoffs or getting – it's winning playoff games next year will probably cost him his job. Well, I, I mean, think the end of some of these teams just is like a ringing bell, right? How did you finish? And we saw a couple disastrous finishes for a couple teams, and those 14 seconds compared to the 13 seconds, really bad. Ryan Tannehill, right? A whole city changed their feeling about the quarterback when he threw three interceptions. I just have trouble getting over – the lack of orchestration from Dallas's offense in the end there, and that comes from head coach not being precise with details that a lot of other teams we've seen are so precise. Cincinnati needed 19 yards or 16 yards on one play when they got the ball, and they got it like that. See, I think if, if the McCarthy thing fails again, it's Sean Payton. It's not one yeah, of the two I would coordinators. Presu- I would presume, too. But, but Jerry – is uh, uh, just so effusive in his love of these guys, he, 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 you know. And I'm sure they're paid very, very well for coordinators. I just forecast in the future, I'd be very, because I am not, you guys know, I'm not a huge Dak Prescott believer. I'd be very interested in seeing what Sean Payton could do with Dak Prescott. 
even having said that I'm not a huge Dak Prescott believer, that would be an interesting marriage well, of I'd coach be, and quarterback. I'd be very interested in seeing what he could do with virtually every quarterback yeah. that's supposed to be good and hasn't quite reached you know that that level that we're seeing that we saw in the last round of the playoffs, even from some losing quarterback. Totally agree. And now the Saints are left. They're the vacant. Yeah, is there a leader job right now? Well, uh, Eric Bieniemy was it, it's, interviewing it's, today or yesterday. It's crazy with all these jobs. You know, you get the report. It's always who's the guy interviewing right now becomes he's going to interview, and it's uh, under serious well, consideration for the job. Eric Bieniemy's name popped at the end of last week uh, as a possibility uh, in New Orleans. After not popping at all, he didn't interview anywhere, yeah. did he? After well, last year being the hot, the last two years being the hot candidate. But uh, I mean, again, I'll go back to what were what were the national reporters saying whenever Sean Payton left? That's Dennis Allen's job. Dennis Allen's still there. Yeah. And I think they go through the hiring process, and, and Bienemy, if he doesn't land this gig, I mean, the, the whole thing with him, he's interviewed like eight or nine times over the last, what, two or three years, and he hasn't landed a job, and he's been connected to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yep. And I, I – I can't tell you anything other than he's just not wowing them in the interview. And somebody else that hurts him, I think, is, is Nagy, right? Nagy was was that guy, a non-play calling offensive coordinator for yeah. Andy Reid. And he went to Chicago, and it didn't go very well. He was also NFL Coach of the Year right. in year one. I mean, it wasn't all bad. It, right. it, it, it ended poorly, like basically total body like every good. NFL coaching tenure eventually ends poorly for him. So – I, I would not use that against him. There's something else going on with the interview process with him because he had, we just mentioned it, he had a ton of opportunities. Then it looked like he ran out of the opportunities, and now he's getting the interview in New Orleans. But to me it's a no-brainer that the offensive coordinator for the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs over the last few years is going to quickly become an NFL head coach. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for the enemy. I think even his biggest media proponents have dropped off a little bit. And well, we shifted, haven't heard his name nearly others, as much. Shifted to yeah. others. You know, the, the people who were outraged last year that he wasn't getting a job are now, I, I don't know if there's a, a single so, single black assistant that's getting the most push, uh, but I don't feel like he's getting a huge, huge push. Well, so. Uh, I'm intrigued by Mayo. But he seems to have faded, and people maybe think he's not ready yet. The thing about uh, Bieniemy, uh, I, I think for his sake, he shouldn't want the Saints' job. Yes, yeah, so this a is a bad job. gig right now. But uh, most they, they, of the jobs are tough jobs, right? You take not a, this hiring cycle. Yeah, they, they, I mean Denver. Is, if it gets a quarterback, most of them have at least a caveat, right? Um, but yeah, they're not they're not trash. Houston's trash. Jacksonville's trash. But uh, but but you've got a quarterback. Even in Jacksonville, which is a dysfunctional place, you've got one shiny thing there, a reason to go. You could talk yourself into it. Armando Salguero is with OutKick.com, covers the NFL for OutKick. He'll be joining us here in L.A. coming up later this week, but I believe he's in South Beach right now where the Dolphins just made a hire. Armando, I know you're hearing our conversation about the Saints as well. Hope you're doing well. Yes, I'm in South Beach right now, right now at the Clevelander, right now. Look. <laughs> What do you make of Mike McDaniel? I, I, know, I saw your tweet where you want to give it uh, some thought and uh, read up and then also talk to people ar- around the Dolphins as to why they made the decision to bring in the young Mike McDaniel. Ultimately, why did he win the Dolphins over? 
because he could talk circles around owner Stephen Ross, and Stephen Ross loves smart young guys, and Mike McDaniel is a very smart Yale graduate young guy who can talk the heck out of football. And so, you know, great. Look, if you're going to ask me what I think of the hire, I think it's unremarkable. I think it's going down the same road that the Dolphins have been down before in that they're hiring a, a guy with no experience. They did that with Brian Flores. They did that be, before that with Adam Gase. They did that before that with Joe Philbin. They did that before that with Tony Sperano. They were lucky in that Tony Sperano was a leader and actually got them to the playoffs one year. They were lucky that Adam Gase figured out the offense and got them to the playoff one year. But it's been a hit and miss situation, mostly miss. And I get the feeling that, as I've told you guys before, the Miami Dolphins hired their next ex-head football coach. When you... Just looking at McDaniel, and you said you're, it's unremarkable, you know, with, with the hire. Uh, what surprises me, Armando, you know, a guy in, in Jim Caldwell, who I know that you were talking about throughout this process, Doug Peterson ends up in Jacksonville, but I'm guessing Doug Peterson would have rather had the Miami job uh, than Jacksonville. Uh, Dan Quinn, you know, guys who were successful as head coaches, and in some cases very successful you know, the old trope about there's too many retread coaches. I'm shocked that these retread coaches, other than Peterson, didn't get the opportunity this go-around. Did it surprise you as well? So that's, that's a lot of stuff there. Uh, let's, let, let, let's unpack some of that. Old retread coaches. Don Shula was a retread coach. Bill Belichick was a retread coach. I believe Dick Vermeil was a retread coach. Paul Brown was a retread coach. I, there's nothing wrong with having failed somewhere because you made mistakes and then learn from those mistakes and go somewhere else. I don't see the whole stigma behind retread coaches. And, and I get it, everybody wants the newfangled thing but there is something to be said about experience and growing up. Sean Payton, who was not a retread coach in New Orleans and never was, but might be at some point in the future, he said that if he had any regrets, go back to his first, second, third year in New Orleans and do a lot of things different because he took the job not knowing what he didn't know. They get better with experience. And so retread coaches have value. Um, and I forgot the rest of it. So ask away whatever you want. Well, no, and, and the surprise uh, with Peterson ending up in Jacksonville, but Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, these retread guys you were talking about not landing a gig in this cycle. Right. So if you're matching you know one of the things of this hiring cycle people have been requesting that you do the hiring um objectively in other words don't look at my you know don't don't look at my skin color don't look at my uh 
things like that, that whether I'm your friend or not, don't look at whether you know me or not, judge me on what I've done, on my abilities in the past, which suggests abilities going forward, quite frankly. And if you do that, you're looking at guys' resumes. Jim Caldwell took a team to a Super Bowl um, as the head coach. He won three out of four years in Detroit as the head coach. And when he was fired, the Ford family immediately talked about not loving that they did it. So if you're looking at it objectively, Jim Caldwell was one of the best candidates out there. Peterson was one of the best out candidates out there. And obviously he got the job in Jacksonville, good on them, because Doug Peterson now has Trevor Lawrence to kind of bring up and develop. He won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So Mike McDaniel and Nathaniel Hackett and, and you know, all these other, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, tell me who you won the Super Bowl as the head coach with. Oh, nobody. Okay, well, I, you know, God bless you, but that doesn't make you a better candidate than what Doug Peterson was and what Jim Caldwell is. Lovey Smith went to a Super Bowl, I believe, with Rex Grossman, but this is his third time, and I would use the word you used for McDaniel. Unremarkable is a 500 coach. What do you think of that hire there after all that Houston went through, after firing David Culley, um, after apparently not being able to hire the high school coach that they preferred? Uh, they settled on their own defensive coordinator. Yes, Paul. Thank you for asking me to explain the inexplicable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Houston Texans are definitely that. You know, I kind of put Lovey Smith in a different category because he's not a retread coach anymore. He's the retread of a retread of a retread. Uh, he had the experience in Chicago, had some success, and then it didn't work out. He went to Tampa, and in two years, I think he won like four games. So that didn't work out. He went to Illinois as their head coach. That didn't work out. So now we're getting down the road of, okay, you've had three head coaching opportunities. It's not just one or, you know, or two in the NFL. You're down that road and you've not made it in those three chances, in those multiple chances. Moreover, explaining how the process worked in Houston where they interviewed Heinz Ward at some point. Uh, they were infatuated with Josh McCown at, at, throughout, uh, up until yesterday. Um, I just don't, I don't see where this is a on the avenue to success hire. Let's put it that way. Um, Lovey Smith is an excellent person, great man. Head coach, we'll see. Armando Salguero, our guest, and uh, he is covering all things Super Bowl 56 throughout the week. 
What has the schedule been like with these teams, Armando? Is everyone traveling to L.A. in the next couple of days? And uh, I guess everything remains virtual as far as your access. Right. Thank you for not calling it Super Bowl LVI. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, or Roman numeral 56. Uh, yeah, so they're going to be virtual. Obviously, the Rams are there. So mm -hmm. they're still on Zoom virtual. Uh, the Bengals arrive, I believe, tomorrow. And then they'll be virtual. We're going to be virtual regardless of where the teams are until I believe uh, Friday and on Friday reporters will actually talk to players sort of face to face, uh, kind of like it'll never, I shouldn't say never. It's not like it used to be obviously where the stars would, would stand on podiums and stanchions and a group of reporters would gather around them. And then everybody else, would sit at a table and if you wanted to go interview the punter, if you wanted to go interview the 53rd guy on a 53 man roster, you could do that one-on-one -on -one sitting right next to him. That's not the case anymore. And until we get rid of this other thing, whatever that disease is called uh, and all its ugly variants, um, I doubt that it'll be like that again. Check out Armando on Twitter. Just follow at Armando Salguero. And, of course, all of his great work uh, covering the league, all the hires, and, of course, the big game coming up this weekend at Outkick.com with all of his columns and reports. Armando, appreciate you, man, and we will see you here on Wednesday. Sounds good. Look forward to it. It was great. You're always great, Armando. Safe travel. Thank you so much. Armando Salguero Never has been our guest. That's Never That's disappoints. Right. Bring, Never lets us down. He'll bring the energy with us on, on Wednesday. Uh, coming up, Kayla Canaram will join us live. And when we come back, um, Chad says he has a lift story. Or maybe it's Paul. I don't know. I, I don't know story. the story. I haven't heard this. I've heard that Paul, when it, when Paul wants to give the description of it, but I have a feeling he was instigating the driver. We, we both have a very relatable yet different lift story from most of them because of one element of it okay we'll we'll explain that's next on outkick 360 get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From Radio Row, Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. If you're listening today across the Upper Cumberland on Sports Radio 104.7, shout out to everyone there. Somo Sports Radio in Missouri, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence, and in Jackson, in Lexington, in Parker's Crossroads. Hello to WBFG as well. Uh, day number one to them. Coming up, Kayla Canaram will join us from Outkick.com. Uh, we're in her city. Yes. Right? This is. She is our hostess. Yes, yes. Uh, we're only here because Kayla allows us to be here. <laughs> she made that very clear last night. She is uh, meat. on Radio Row as well. Our restaurant. Yeah, the, the restaurant uh, that was... Uh, 
recommended was called Meat, Meat on Ocean. Chad, your thoughts? Not going to lie, not great. Uh, <laughs> not a great experience. Took way too long to get the food. Uh, I split a steak uh, with, uh, with Dylan that I thought was going to be carved in front of us. Uh, it was not. Um, I mean, the steak That's was. That's the only reason you ordered it. A little bit. Because you wanted a, a little carving. bit rubbery. The ste- I mean, it just wasn't. What <laughs> wasn't a great Get experience. Get a fillet. Like a I'm always thankful person, for a night out to have a, a nice like dinner, but it, you know, it wasn't. I, my food was great. My food was very good. I just found that the shared sides. Well, were I small. made the wrong order. I made the wrong order, yeah. much like I requested Get the, fillet. the wrong Lyft driver. All right, what happened? Yesterday. I so, haven't heard this story yet. You guys were saving it for the show. As you guys know, I'm a noted Lyft guy. All right, Lyft over Uber at all times. So much so I don't have the Uber app on my phone. Yeah. No, I, not I, so much so that you don't have it. You're a Lyft guy because you never got the Uber app. Got the Uber app. <laughs> the space on his phone. Got the Uber app. Uh, Going to be completely honest, didn't even have a bad experience with it. Just decided to take it off my phone at some point because I had too many apps on there. There's... This is not a principled His stance. His phone had so little room yeah, There's, on it, there's no principle behind app. my anti-Uber stance. Sure. This is not a moral decision. It's the fact that I just go to Lyft every time because I know it and like it. So yesterday we get a Lyft, Paul and I, we're going to go to Santa Monica Pier. All right, first time in L.A., my first time to go see the pier. Get the Lyft. The nice gentleman by the name of Kyoto picks us up, okay? okay. We get in the car. Kyoto has what I would describe as like, you know, a big bug protector between the front seat and the back seat it's of the car. It's a step short of a police Yeah, uh, it, it's like you feel like you're in a cop car when you get in there, right? So it's a plastic screen. Imagine. Is it for a, it, now, for a pet? I, I no, liked him because for, we got there, and he, he immediately was like, you can take your mask off. And I'm thinking, that's good, no because kidding. you got a shield in between the two of us. So <laughs> I, I'm glad we can take our mask off. It would really off. be redundant. Given so your this shield. thing blocks all the air, okay? So we're, we're getting hot boxed in the back of oh, this I can this only lift. imagine Paul. Is, yeah, it's a good, it's a good in traffic, what, a good 45-minute drive to, yeah, to Santa Monica Pier. So Kyoto is a talker, yeah. all right? I made Chit the mistake chat. of asking, hey, what is this neighborhood over Chad here that we're passing engaged. right now? Chad engages And Kyoto goes into the history of the neighborhood. Uh, if you look to your left, you can see this. But we can't hear him. He sounds like Bane because he's talking to us <laughs> through this thing. So he says, Kyoto City is a very nice city over here. He's a tour guide. You know, it's a tower. Yeah, he's very, very uh, hard to understand uh, throughout uh, for a number of reasons. Plus, the, the, I've the, the plastic is a big my one. window open because there's no yeah, so this movement is, of air. This is where Paul really hurts the whole ride because I, I asked the one question. I knew I made a huge mistake. Yeah. I'm going to be quiet and just talk to Paul. Well, I'm talking to Paul at a normal volume for him being right next to me because my window is up. <laughs> Paul's window is down and is shouting questions at me because his window is down. He can't hear as well. So he's like, so where are we going to eat tonight? And then the guy would just start answering. He thinks I'm he th- talking he to He thinks him. he's talking to the driver through the shield because Paul is yelling at me in the back seat. So who's answering all of my questions? So like this every, is a triangulation. Every question, every question that Paul asks or, or statement he makes to me, about his sister in Southern California, anything, is responded by Kyoto the entire drive. So we get close, and you know how I'm this way. I can only be in a car for so long when I'm annoyed. So I'm trying to get out. I was like, we'll get out here. And, of course, Paul, we're in traffic. We're a block away. No, 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 no. The ride goes all the way up there. This is the beach, and I'm thinking, thanks a lot. This is a fundamental language problem that this guy had, a definition of here and there. Yes. Okay, so we're we're a block and a half from the beach. Yeah. And he says, I'll drop you here at the end where the beach is. He's pointing say, to the yeah, beach. He's pointing. Drop you here. And we're thinking, I'm dropping there. here, not and there. Chad said, yes, drop us here. We'll get out here. 
And he's saying, no, I'll drop you here. And I'm saying, I think you're having a misunderstanding between what here is and what there is. Because where you're pointing is there, down there, a block and a half. And, and what Chad's saying is you're going to drop us off here, as in right here. This is also Chad's. All of which is muscled like this. This is Chad's luck that the lift has issues. Because he's the only one using Lyft. Yeah. Right. Now Ubers never have. This isn't a. This is this is not a wooden table that I'll knock on anyways. No issues, uh, other than that one so far with uh, with Lyft on this trip. Been quick. Drivers have been good. Uh, been a little hot at times. Had a driver yep. today that was all layered up and it's 80 degrees outside. Didn't quite understand. Blaring that. Spanish. No music no AC no, on. No air. Very motion. cold nature driver. We were really uh, uh, sweating on the way over here. But hey, this is their winter. So we that, tweeted out a picture. I had a. He's big, like, sir, it's February. <laughs> I had a big strawberry margarita. I'm not embarrassed by this at all. And Chad had a beer. We, Chad took a picture of it. He tweeted out. Two of us are out. Guess which ones and whose drinks. And I thought this would be unanimous. Everybody would say. Oh, Paul's got the strawberry margarita. But the first person nailed it. And after that, everybody was all off the map, all over the place. So finally, I just chimed in. I got hunting with this damn strawberry margarita. <laughs> I was napping. I, I don't think a single person guessed me on the margarita that I saw. No, there's at least one. I wouldn't have guessed it either. Yeah. Not a margarita guy. <laughs> you would have been right. You would have been right. Boy, did I get a beautiful sunset picture with the palm tree. It was nice. By the way, it was Paul with the margarita. It yeah, was. I like a nice margarita. There's the, the big, there's the big reveal. Strawberry. <laughs> there it is. Dale <laughs> joins us next uh, as we roll on with our coverage from Radio Row, Super Bowl 56 across the Outkick Network. We did share some margaritas. <laughs>